Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. And Judd, we had the end of the NHL playoffs for the Minnesota Wild as if we wrote the script all year long talking about them as a first round out team. And today, here on Monday, we have news that the Minnesota Wild are moving on from general manager Chuck Fletcher. So I have a plan for the Wild for this offseason to get better in the playoffs next year. I'm going to lay that out for you, but first tell me your instant reaction to the firing of Chuck Fletcher, more or less um, firing. I guess they're not picking yeah. up his contract, but same right, thing. Right, right, right. Uh, my instant reaction is I'm not surprised. And I don't even think like that, that this is a knee jerk reaction by uh, Leopold. I think what this is, is nine years in, you know, back on uh, July 4th, 2012, I believe you signed Parisi and Tudor to those huge contracts. And you basically said, okay, from this day forward, this should be a cup team. This should be a team that can go, that can play deep into the spring consistently. And by this point, if you own the team, you would have been hoping, Matthew, that they would have either been to a cup or won one. And you've come nowhere close. Uh, you've, you've made it to the second round twice. Uh, you, you've had six consecutive years of playoff appearances, which is great for a team that before that did go through a drought of not making the postseason. But all of that being said, you're now to a point where your fans say, okay, you're in the playoffs. Slow clap. Show me something. And you consistently have not done that. I would say this, too. I've been trying to think. If there was a time where we could sort of stamp when when Fletcher's a death, death certificate as Wild GM was signed, I'm going to go back to the Martin Handel trade of last year at the deadline. Because that trade, that trade was in Boudreaux's first year with what looked to be and was a very good team. And you made a significant trade for a guy, and you said, okay, we're going to go into the playoffs at this point with our top three centers being Eric Stahl, Miko Koivu, and Hansel, who we gave up a lot for, but who's going to lead us to a promised land of sorts. And you played five playoff games against the Blues and got skunked. So I just think that in Leopold's situation, he probably took a long, hard look and said, I, I did this for a long time. If you include Torchetti, uh, Fletcher's coaches went Richards, Yo, Torchetti, Boudreaux. That's four coaches, and it didn't work. And so now you're going to go outside and hire someone, I would imagine, who's going to have a fresh perspective. And so there's nothing about this that, that surprises me. And it's not that Chuck did a terrible job. It's just that, in my opinion, this team was stuck and had plateaued. And if you're a guy who wants to see your team contend for cups, you looked at this team, I think, by now, and, and they got ousted by a superior Jets team, and you've also got, in your division, uh, Nashville and Colorado, and you said, 
this is not a cup team, and I'm going to go get an architect who could potentially build me a Stanley Cup team. The way I look at Fletcher's era is that his plan mostly worked, that he signed Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, and then he wanted to build the rest of the group through guys that he had drafted and prospects that they have and hoped that you'd have the two superstars and then the other guys on fairly reasonable contracts that would rookie deals or, or first RFA deals that you could handle with your salary cap and that you would have those guys help you uh, build a Stanley cup contender. But where he runs into the problem is after last year for the second straight year at that point last year, going out in the first round and seeing some of the struggles that they went through in the playoffs and down the stretch, especially under Boudreaux after a really good start to the season and seeing the same players perform the same way and then not making a change with that core of players that believing that they could do it. And then you go into last offseason and your team gets weaker in part because of something you couldn't control, which is the expansion draft. And I would defend Chuck all day long on how he handled the expansion draft. I know Eric Howell played really great for Vegas. I know Alex Tuck looks like like a pretty good player but when I look at what Mad Dumba did that's who they protected that's the guy that I would prefer to have on my team because offensive defensemen have such great value so I'll defend that all day long but the whole rest of it sticking with your your Granlin Zucker coil sticking with that same core and not making a move there and then making the move that we have talked about so much that may have been the death blow, which is for Marcus Foligno and Tyler Ennis and dealing away Jason Pominville and uh, dealing away Marco Scandella, especially. I mean, that's not even a very effective cap dump. I mean, that's a move where if you had just given those guys away for nothing, you would have been better off because you would have had more cap space to sign better players than Ennis and Felino. And those guys were just not fits at all. And it was really foreseeable that that wasn't going to work out. So that, that to me last off season is where it really went down because we went into this year knowing exactly what the result w- was going to be. And then mm-hmm. we got it. Then we got it first round out. I mean, last year you could have convinced me that when you looked at their numbers, how much they were outscoring other teams, their offensive numbers, their goaltending last year, 2016, 17, I was convinced they were a real legitimate Stanley Cup contender. It didn't happen, but at least on paper you could have said that. This year, I could not have said that for this team. It was, I think, probably the one that most analysts got right the easiest was, oh yeah, Winnipeg's going to run you over. And that that just shouldn't happen after you had a team that was as close to being as a contender as it was during the Fletcher era. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this, but It's just that, and, you know, I can't stress this enough. It's not that Chuck did a terrible job. It's just that you, if you had stuck with with him, because I sat down on Sunday and came up with a a column of why to keep him and a column of why to to allow his contract to lapse and and allow him to leave. And, you know, the right-hand side, which, which was the why should Chuck be kept, it wasn't very, it wasn't very long. And it had gotten to the point now where, where with the trades, he had made the decisions made heck. I mean, and go back to Brent Burns, you know, Brent Burns, you gave, you gave away now. Charlie mm-hmm. Coyle is not developed uh, for Brent Burns. You, you got Setaguchi who had a substance abuse problem. So he was a good player at one time, but he didn't help you. 
you got a first-round pick, and you drafted a kid by the name of Zach Phillips, who basically, it turns out, couldn't skate well. Well, that's a problem, because that's a first-round pick. Yep. And then and and then you got Coyle, and for how long have we been saying Charlie Coyle, me included, Charlie Coyle is going to be a power forward. He's, he's going to develop into this and that, and he had a terrible year. And so you just go back and look at those moves, and you said, all right, if if you if you want to say that Craig was the primary motivation for signing Parisi and and Suter, and he might have been, and then did Chuck build around those guys? The answer is absolutely not. And my question was this. If I had sat Chuck down, I would have said, Chuck, can you bring yourself this summer to make moves where we start to trade or at least actively shop Coyle, Nino, Granlund, Spurgeon possibly? I don't love that idea. And I think Chuck would have said, but those guys can still do, do this and that. And so I just I think that this was a perfect time to to look at the powerful teams in your division, realize that your that your time span to be among that group right now is gone, and to bring in a, a fresh GM who's going to sit down and, and as you are going to tell us right now, Matthew Collar, who's going to say, this is the plan going forward, and it probably looks nothing like what Chuck Fletcher's plan would have been. Well, I, I think you make a great point just on the, uh, especially the, the foresight with the Brent Burns trade or not having it or seeing what a valuable player he could be because he ends up uh, as the number one defenseman on a Stanley Cup team and they could never really figure out exactly what he was. And, and I think some of the development and seeing where players are going to go and knowing what types of things kill a prospect from ever reaching their uh, their height, which I think Charlie Coyle would be in that conversation. And then knowing value, too, I, I think was problematic at times. So I will give you, this is, this is my solution. I thought about this for a little bit, and I poked around potential players who could get traded and teams that might be looking to make some changes but also would value players that the Wild have. And so it's, it's a little bit more specific than just saying, hey, they need players like this or that. I decided to go with exact names because why not? And we'll see how it, it goes from there. So, okay. but, but my start is to trade Jason Zucker and Charlie Coyle. And here is my explanation for that. Jason, okay. Jason Zucker just had a fantastic year in the regular season. He scored a ton of goals. He's got great speed. He's got good hands, and he can finish at the net. But in 31 playoff games, he has four goals. It's pretty clear that he can be eliminated when it comes to the postseason, that opponents know how to slow him down. And once you get there, he's not as effective. The other part of it is restricted free agent coming off of a top year. You're going to have to pay him kind of a lot of money. And I don't think that you really want to do that for a guy that is so one-dimensional. It's not just that he's kind of one-dimensional. It's that he only does one thing, and that's fly up and down the wing and score goals. And there are other players who you could find to do that. Charlie Coyle, NHL GMs, as long as they are in the NHL, Judd, will always value size and a guy who has potential with his skill. Even though we know that those things are not consistent, he still has value. It's not as high as it would have been last year, but I think you could still get something back. So that's my start. Okay. I'm on board with both of, both of those guys, especially since Dumba's going to come in a lot as an RFA, and I'm keeping Dumba. Okay, so here is number like step number two. So you're putting okay. those guys out on the trade block, and here's who I'm looking for back. 
Ryan O'Reilly of the Buffalo Sabres, a two-way center who scored 61 points that, if you listen to his end-of-year press conference, does not want to be around that organization anymore. I think that made it quite clear. He said that he hated playing hockey this year. So uh, not a real great situation for him, and he's really sick of losing with that team. And I get the idea that he wants to be out of there. And, of okay. course, Buffalo would might be looking to get out of his contract, which is not terrible, by the way. I mean, it's it's not like it's a $9 million contract, but it's long. It's going to take him into his 30s. Uh, but O'Reilly plays the type of hockey that you want in the playoffs. He's a two-way player. He wins face-offs. He battles for pucks. And he's been a guy his entire career, whether he was with Colorado or with Buffalo, that matches up against top lines and other top centers. That's something that the Wild really do not currently have. So with him, you would have a Ryan O'Reilly, Eric Stahl, and Miko Koivu down the middle, which I think would give you more strength there in that situation. So he's one player. The other player I have is Elias Lindholm, who plays for Carolina, has not really produced big numbers, Judd, but here's my thought on this. If you're going to trade for a guy who is a former top pick, the guys to look for are those that have underachieved because of their circumstances. And I think Carolina has been a bus fire and we saw Eric Stahl look like he was totally done and then come here and score 40 goals. So I think nobody could score with Carolina. And if you put him in a good situation, he is also known as a pretty good two way player that he would have a great opportunity to rise up beyond his 30 or 40 points that he normally puts up and, uh, and, and get much more than that and be a more valuable player than yep. someone like Charlie Coyle. What do you think? So what would you offer uh, Buffalo and, and Carolina in these potential deals? Well, I think that uh, Zucker and Coyle kind of make sense here with, with these two, that Zucker is young enough. Oh, you think Coyle could, could be traded straight up? Okay. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're talking about packaging them. My guess is that Carolina is going to bring, they've already changed GMs and they're going to bring in a new coach and they're going to talk about how they're not tough enough and they need more size because everyone who takes over a new job talks about that. Oh, and yeah. uh, Lind, Lindholm looks to me like a guy who could use a change of scenery. So does Charlie Coyle. It's one of those straight up sort of hockey trades. And with O'Reilly, okay. uh, his contract brings down his value. The player Ryan O'Reilly versus the contract is, uh, you know, it's a little less attractive because of that. But this is a team in a position to take on. It's it's like how Boston signed David Backus. Like, Backus was not going to be great for five years of that contract. But, oh, well, this is their window to win, and I see them doing pretty well. So, in your window to win, which I think is right now, uh, you go for a player who can bring you two-way type of plays and can battle um, – against the the best. I mean, if you, if it's Ryan O'Reilly versus Mark Shifley for an entire series, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, you yep. feel all right about that because you think, all right, our guy could shut down their guy and score 61 points last year. And he's regularly uh, 50 to 60. So that's why I like that idea. And then, you know, Lindholm is all about the value. So what do you think? I, I like it. Here's, here's my question though. Uh, with those two trades transition your, your franchise from, being what I consider to have a, a regular season roster, but not a playoff one. Because that that's the one thing is Boudreaux can get this team back next year and they can get 100 points again. And regular season-wise, this roster is fine. It's not great. It's not, you know, fantastic, but it's fine. It, but here's the one thing that I start, start exploring. I start exploring the potential of trading Fletcher's second-tier players who when, when they beat the Avs in that first-round playoff series about four or five years back, we thought this is going to be the, the future, that if you combine them with Suter and Parisi, that the Grandlins and Coils 
and Ninos and go down that list were going to be really good. And I think they've proven that in the regular season they can all be productive, uh, but they're not going to be productive in the playoffs. So if you traded two of those pieces, do you have a playoff roster? Because here's the here's the guy that I would be very interested in in maximizing the value for right now because he had a career year. He's going into the last year of, of his contract, Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl is going to be uh, 34 on October 29th of 2018. Eric Stahl got you 42 goals. Mm-hmm. Eric, Stahl, Eric Stahl could definitely help a team uh, that, that could plug him in as a two or three center in 2018-19. Uh, but if he comes back here, you know, and they and they say, okay, Eric, we're, we're going to lean on you again, I think that's dicey. So the one thing I can't decide is, and I like the idea of trades, but the, the one thing I can't decide is, is this team in a – in a position to put itself into having a playoff roster in 2018-19, or does this potentially need a slight hiccup in that year to get back to that place in 2019 and 20, where you're not just a playoff team, but you're actually a team that can now match up against the Jets, the Predators, and the Avs? So my answer would be yes, I think you are a move or two away from being that. If you can get guys who can possess the puck, better who could play on the defensive end better bring a little bit more and I don't mean like size throw your body everywhere I mean toughness on the puck and I mean what we see is teams are able to just stop the speed through the neutral zone bit or like uh, St. Louis just said I dare you to try to get to the front of the net and nobody did it I mean what you need is some some battlers here who score by being hardworking, and that's why I picked out the two guys that I did and and Lindholm is uh, for Carolina, 45 points to uh, the last year and then 44 points this year. I mean, that's the type of guy that I'm looking at as someone who could expand on that scoring total even more. But he also plays at both ends, too. And, and I, you know, with Stahl, he did score a ton of goals this year, and he would have some value. But as a rental player, is anyone giving you anything really good? I mean, a first-round pick, all right. But if it's a contender, the first-round pick isn't high. So yep. how long uh, is it going to be? So then you're, ki- but you're kicking the ball four years down the road, maybe, or three years down the road well, if you trade him for the 23rd overall pick. Unless we apply the Matthew Collar GM theory here. Which is? This is, this is not baseball. You've got a group of GMs, probably, what, at least five, who are complete idiots. Well, I do so, agree with that. So, so, so here's my question. And if you can't do it, you can't. But if you call up Edmonton, or at this rate, Montreal, or the Islanders, and say, Eric Stahl scored 42 goals, and we hate to trade him, but Peter Torelli, we will. And they say, oh, you, you'll trade Eric Stahl? That's my point. Yeah. Is if, if, this was, if this was most sports, my idea, non-starter, pie in the sky. But if you apply your theory, which I have bought into wholeheartedly, because these guys, I don't know how they maintain their jobs, but they do. I'm just so if you could move Eric Stahl and all of a sudden the Oilers are like, yeah, we need a veteran just like that. That's where I become that, that's where my curiosity becomes peaked, because every once in a while you see these trades and you're like, my God, what are the Oilers or the Canadians thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and I definitely get that. If you were talking about moving Stahl for someone younger who another team has decided is the problem, just like Edmonton did with uh, Taylor Hall. So if it was a deal like that, you'd be saying, yep. okay, yes, obviously 100% all in. Look, pretending that everyone is rational, I just like 
what you're getting from <laughs> Eric Stahl, even on a projection, even if you projected Eric Stahl to score 30 goals next year to see a regression, which he likely will. I mean, you think about what you're paying him to get that would be still a really good deal. And I think with this team where they are right now, you have to go for the Stanley cup every year that you have Parisi still playing pretty well this year, coming off the surgery that Suter can still play well, that Eric Stahl can still play at that sort of level. As long as you have those guys, you have to go for it because even if you sold off one of them, I mean, Uh that's not going to sink you all the way out of the playoffs to the bottom of the division. I mean, you're not going to be one of those teams looking for that number one overall draft pick. So if you can't get there, then you have to take this other route around, which I think is to try to make some savvy deals. And uh, I do agree, though, that there are some bad GMs out there and that might make for some interesting opportunities. I will tell you now, Judd, on the free agent market, I have spotted three players that I would like the Minnesota Wild to sign. All right. One of them is Michael Grabner. The other one is Riley Nash. And the third is Thomas Hickey. And I will explain. Oh, Michael Michael Grabner, yes. Let's start there. I love Re- this. You can basically replace Jason Zucker with Michael Grabner. Michael Grabner is an older version of Jason Zucker. Neither one is a two-dimensional player. Both just fly up and down the wing. Both have good enough hands to score. Zucker's are a little better than Grabner's. But the guy still is scoring in the upper twenties in goals and plays perfect for the system that Bruce Boudreaux wants to play, which is to break out of your own zone with a lot of speed and try to create scoring opportunities that way. Uh, Riley Nash is a depth player who can score uh, plays for Boston. And Thomas Hickey is a free agent from the Islanders. Now he is not a great defenseman, but what you had is a third pair that was non-existent this year. So I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to have a high price and he's been playing a top four role a little bit over his head, but he's someone where if you lost Brodine or you lost uh, Spurgeon for a couple games, he can move up the lineup. It would basically be replacing Marco Scandella. So that is part four of the fix the wild plan. Your take. Um, I like that. I, I guess I, I would also go back to your trades collar to start with. If you can make those trades, because I'm, I'm very interested in exploring dealing uh, some of your current talent that can be moved. And part, part of the problem with Chuck is you got more and more de- deals where you have what? Stahl's got a, a no trade that is not in full, so he could be traded. But there's a list of teams to which he can't be dealt to. Uh, Parisi and Suter have complete no-move clauses, which means they're untouchable. And I think they gave a no-move to Koivu, which I will never for the life of me understand as long as I live. Um, but if you can if you can make these moves cap-wise and if you can make these moves trade-wise, it would be a way to try and repair things quickly. Uh, I guess the issue becomes if you start to shop these guys and you can't and you've got cap problems, which this team does no matter what, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. what what direction does the new GM go? And, yeah, if you can get competitive and, and certainly build a playoff roster immediately, that's great. But I do think that there might need to be some patience applied here. Um, and the one thing that this can't – the one thing that I'll go back to, and I've said this before, that this can't rotate around completely is how Parisi and, and Suter feel about things. Suter's going to come back at some point. I don't know that it's going to be opening night from his his broken ankle. And Parisi came back in the second half before he got hurt and played well. But to me, these are no longer building block guys. They're going to be pretty good passengers on a team that could potentially win. Um, but I think if you try and trade guys and find that, that the value's not there or that you're going to have to take draft picks, I do start to make moves based on this. I want to 
I've accepted the fact that if you feel like you're going to be stuck with the secondary group that Chuck had, that you're not going to win in the playoffs. So if you can't do what you're talking about accomplishing, I think your reality is you do have to start to make moves based on at some point in time, you're going to have to have a team that's going to match up with the best teams. And right now you just don't. And so the new GM is going to have to be somewhat patient, but certainly flexible to what the, the market might bear which is why I said I would certainly start with the teams with dumb GMs because that would be the way to potentially build things quickly and go after cups immediately. So what I'm looking for here, I think that the only other way to compete for a Stanley Cup, aside from tanking, drafting high, and getting someone like Patrick Laine or someone like Mark Shifley or the, the number of other guys that I'm using just Winnipeg, but, I mean, we've seen this from – Crosby, we've seen it from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and, and on and on the list, but they're not going to be able to do that. So the other way is through depth. And that's what I was thinking with the signings is that they were a legitimate contender last year, or at least a much stronger team by having depth. And I think if you sign a couple of free agents that won't have high prices to fill out mm-hmm. your roster, who can actually score basically what what, what's, what Grabner and Nash would be doing is providing scoring down the lineup that they would have had in 2016-17 with someone like Eric Howla. And that's what you'd be looking for, I think, uh, to fill them out. And I, I think that's the direction that you have to go in here it, because other than taking advantage of someone for a true game-changing trade like getting P.K. Subban for Nashville, which, right. hey, those are out there. And you make that point, and it's a good one. Almost every year, somebody makes the dumbest trade of all time. And last year, it yep. was Taylor Hall going to the Devils. Every year, someone does it. So when will you finally be on the right side of that, right? So that that's definitely out there. But if it isn't, then I think that the depth is kind of the direction you have to go and then turning to more two-way players. Okay, number five on the list, Judd, is to find someone to take Tyler Ennis's contract, even if it takes sending them a draft pick on draft day. Here you go, a third-round pick. Please take this $4.6 million cap hit off of our hands so we can fill it in with players that will actually do something for you. And if you can't, I, I hate to say it because it's not convenient. You buy him out. He can't be back. You can't bring him back. You I agree. can't. Yep. You, you can't. I mean, there's, I don't, I mean, you, you told me in Buffalo at one time pre-concussions, he was a pretty decent player, but there's nothing there. He's a minor league player. And so, so to go back to, uh, to your fourth part, if you sign two or three of those guys to, what are the potential cap ramifications? Okay, so all right, let me uh, pull up my my because that's their problem too. Here. They're always they're always strapped against the cap, which is which is why the Quayle extension was so stupid. You had a guy coming off the books who you could have right. said, Miko, if you want to play here your whole career, you certainly can. From now on, we're going year to year, and we're not going to pay you much. Instead, you gave him a two year uh, contract that I believe has a no move. It just doesn't. It made no sense. It was idiotic. It was crazy. And and I blame Craig partially because to okay that was it may no it just made no sense. Yes, I agree with you there. And and this is where it would get challenging with the yeah. salary cap because and this this might be your argument for moving someone like Stahl, but he's on such a reasonable deal. But Coyle, um, Ennis, and who was the other one? Zucker. So Zucker, you'll get off the books because you won't have to sign him to an RFA deal. The salary cap is reportedly going to go up this year, so it isn't going to stay exactly where it is. 
And then you would move out 4.6 with Ennis, and you would move out 3.2 with Coyle and whatever Zucker would have gotten, and you have to re-sign Matt Dumba. So it does get tricky because Ryan O'Reilly has a very expensive contract, $5.7 million, and then you'd have to sign those other guys to cheap deals. However, I do look at those other guys as players that nobody is going to sign to huge contracts. Grabner, Nash, and Thomas Hickey, that they are kind of underappreciated talents. But when Grabner got traded at the deadline, he wasn't traded for anything. I mean, he isn't highly valued. And you, okay. ha- you have to find those guys out there. And you are you're absolutely correct uh, with Koivu, though his contract does drop by yeah. 1.2. So that helps you create a little bit of space there. So that's what I'm looking for. And even if it's not these exact players, just what I'm looking for, if I'm the new GM and nobody drops anything in my lap, I'm looking for, can I get two way players at a key position or at least one that could be a potential game changer by moving out some of these players that would have value. And I, Nino Niederreiter would go in this list too, as much as I do like him, his contract yep. would make him more of a guy that you would want to trade. And I, you could talk me into Granlund, even as good of a scorer as he's been. He's another guy Absolutely. that has not produced in the playoffs and he might be more attractive. So get me proven two way players, get me young players that somebody else has given up on too early and get me cheap under the radar value free agents who can <laughs> fill out the depth. This isn't that hard, right? I mean, this isn't crazy. It, it, it's it's not, but I mean, it's just, and I, I think that they eventually r- ran into a situation where, where Chuck loved, I mean, Chuck, I think, in, in his mind, had built this roster, and it was so good. And and during the Avs series, we all thought, way back when, we all thought, this is going to be incredible. These guys are all going to develop, and they're going to take them to a Stanley Cup, and it just fell flat. But, but I like, I also like this move because what it says to me is, is, Leopold doesn't just accept things, right? He did, he doesn't just accept, well, we built a good team and we're going to the playoffs. I think the Wild is very aware of the fact that while their fan base right now is incredibly strong, Collar, yep. I think they all I think they also know uh, that before Craig bought the team and and right before Chuck got here and they were going through a a downturn where they didn't make the playoffs, that there were empty seats and the season ticket list, as far as I know, started to dry up, and so. I think in a competitive market like this for uh, sports teams, there's a realization that, you know what, making the playoffs is great, but there's going to come a point in time with the prices that the Wild charge that people are going to be like, okay, but you go to the first round, maybe the second, and lose. I like the fact that this team is now being proactive and saying it's finally not good enough just to make the playoffs, that this, that they didn't go out and sign two guys to 13-year contracts for the just to try and make the playoffs, that there was actually a strategy here to what to try and win a Stanley Cup it fell short and now it's just time for somebody else to come in and possibly get a bite at that apple to do that so I I I think it's a good move I like it all those things that you lay out there are why I think the next GM is tasked with getting them deeper in the playoffs that it isn't definitely that when it's when they're doing the interviews the question isn't well how can you rebuild this or rebuild that it's how will what moves will you make this year to make that happen? And it will, in my plan, it doesn't quite fit with the the salary cap, and that is a consideration. But 
you're going to have to just work around it because you can't do anything about the deals that have already been signed outside of trading players who don't have no move clauses. So and, I think it, that that's what the dictation will be is you go and you find us a way to get deeper because we like yeah. Bruce and we're sticking with him and we're sticking with a lot of the key players, the veterans here, because we can't really move them out anyway. And I'm not saying that this, this should be a full-fledged tank because I don't believe that. But I do think that there should be the leeway to make the moves and experiment where if you miss the playoffs for a year, you don't go nuts. If you can rebuild it quickly, but it's going to take some moves and it's going to take some deadline deals in 2018-19, I would much rather see you, you miss the playoffs for a year or maybe two and retool things than to continue the cycle of, well, we're pretty good, we're in the first round, and then you get bounced. So I'm not asking for a full rebuild but what but what i am saying is it might take a little bit of time but i think that is preferable to this cycle which is just the same year after year after year and it got to the point where this time around you're in the playoffs collar i didn't even feel like there was excitement there i just felt there was yep. like the sort of well we're back in the playoffs and the jets are, are the superior team so that's my feeling yep i felt the same exact way that uh this team did not have a lot of buzz all year and it seemed like when we would talk about it that you know you tw you're getting usually like a string of tweets throughout a show of people reacting to things that you're saying or when i go on with you guys and stuff like that when we would talk about the wild it would just go dead and it just yep. seemed like everybody knew exactly where this was going and they need something to shake it up and this will definitely do that, but they need more than the new GM saying, we're going to come in and we're just going to take our time here and slow play. And, and one of the reasons you can be risky Judd is mm -hmm. you've got some nice players coming through the pipeline. If you could get the guy over from Russia. And then I really liked what I saw from Jordan Greenway. Like if you trade yep. Nino Niederreiter, I mean, it's not like you don't have a replacement there who's much cheaper in Jordan Greenway. As much as I do like Nina Ryder, I mean, that is one way uh, is having some of those guys coming up through the pipeline, and Cunning is another guy like that to, to fill out this roster. So maybe you don't have to sign as many of the free agents to, to cheap deals, but you're going to need to be able to do that somehow. It's one reason you can move on from someone like Zucker or someone like Coyle or someone like Niederreiter is these other guys. They're, they're the next ones. Nobody is a true franchise player. I don't think that's coming through. Maybe the Russian kid is, but I don't think anybody is a true, true Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves. So you're going to have agree. to just do it with a deeper roster. Put perfectly. I agree. I completely agree. And I think that, and I also think another thing is a new GM can come in and talk to Bruce and they can look at that, as we like to call it, collar and hockey, that room, and realize that room probably needs a shakeup. That room's been, uh, it's been too much the same for a long time now. And I don't think it would hurt to bring in a guy who might say, what the bleep for the rest of you guys doing? And I realize that that scene is being trite and sort of cliched in this sport. But there's a difference there, and I think if you get uh, if you get some fresh blood in that room, and they start to say, you know what, the past is the past, and and we we need to, to make some changes here and have a different approach to the game. I don't think that's going to hurt you one bit. All right, Judd. Well, uh, big news here on a Monday, and I thank you for popping in to talk about it, and also thank all of you for checking out Matt and Judd's hockey adventure. Good day. 
The Venture X card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.